We hear today from the Gospel of John, a familiar, well-loved story that is told slightly differently in each Gospel, and sometimes more than once. We hear today from the message, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. Let us open our ears, our minds, our imaginations, our hearts and souls to join Jesus and his hungry, expectant listeners as if we were there among them. After doing some teaching in Jerusalem, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. Some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the Feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Two hundred silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, There's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread, and having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the leftovers, so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled twelve large baskets with leftovers from the, from the five barley loaves. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. They said, This is the prophet for sure. God's prophet right here in Galilee. Jesus saw that in their enthusiasm, they were about to grab him and make him king. So he slipped off and went back up the mountain to be by himself. For the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. It is my pleasure today to talk with lifelong member and good friend, Ariel Chernin about her work right here at the Brookline Food Pantry, which is currently still housed in St. Paul's Episcopal Church, where it's been for 37 years. But this, starting next week, it is moving into United Parish in Brookline. The main location is, and Ariel has been central in that happening. Uh, I feel that there's, having Ariel be a part of this is like a Holy Spirit moment to me. So I asked her today if she would talk with me a little bit about how the United Parish has rooted her in her past and how it's caused her to reach into the future and also to reflect on this passage we just heard, this familiar story of feeding the thousands. So thank you, Ariel. Thank you. Good to be with you. And many of you have seen Ariel grow up in our church, and many of you now she's about to become a mom for the first time next month, or when you do, right? Yeah, very soon. Great. So the first question I had for you was just how you feel United Parish rooted you. I'm thinking spiritually, but in the other ways it rooted you. Yeah, so 
I started coming to United Parish when I was uh, fresh in diapers. My parents have been members of the United Parish community since um, before I was born. And I really fell into United Parish as a place of it being a community, um, a, really another home. It was just not really a question of why we went. We just went every Sunday. Um, I, I honestly didn't really have any friends who had similar experiences growing up who weren't in United Parish, who had a, a faith community like mine. Uh, you know, many went to temple or, or church, but didn't have, you know, didn't have Sunday school and retreats and apple picking. And I, it was cool that I had this uh, second family that was, you know, not a school family, not a sports family, but really a church family that was very different than my friends, Hebrew school families or, or their church communities. And, um, I think I, it just became routine. It was what we did every Sunday. There was no question of what we were doing as a family Sunday morning. It's just what we did. And for years, and I, we made lifelong friends. We had holidays together and celebrations together. We went on trips together and it really ground rooted me in, you know, one, one part of my life. It was kind of, you have your home life, your school life, your church life. And our church life was really special, something that that helped us grow and learn through, you know, until we went to college and, and couldn't come anymore because we were away. But I think, you know, along the way, I learned so many things. Um, I think the, the most important thing that happened to me in, in our church community was going on our, my pilgrimage um, to, we went to New Orleans our year. And I think it was one of the first years, actually, well, it was before, before you were there, right? Yeah, um, I'm so old. I can't. It's been a long time. But I was um, I was going into my junior year of high school, and we went to New Orleans three weeks before um, Hurricane Katrina came. And I, you know, I, I didn't really question about whether or not I would go on the trip, but it was I didn't know if I wanted to get confirmed, um, and I decided on my own that I would go on the trip and then decide and see how I felt. And, um, you know, my dad is, I think everybody, my dad's Jewish and he, um, so we grew up kind of in a mixed religion household, but, but going to church, but we did all the, um, <clears throat> all the Jewish, um, holidays and traditions. And I was, you know, even though church was a very big part of our lives, I was, we were, I was felt a little bit torn on what I wanted my, religion or, or spirituality to be um, rooted in. And I had spent all this time at United Parish. I said, I'll, I'll go on pilgrimage and see how I feel after that. And after the trip, um, you know, there was no question. I knew I wanted to get confirmed. And I felt a very special tie to all the years that I had spent at United Parish. And I think it really, you know, those were towards the end of my high school years where you decide what you're going to do next. And it kind of, I think it helped propel me into taking off for the, for the next chapter of my life. Nice. So if you were to say how your time at United Parish growing up there helped you to reach and what you ended up reaching for. Yeah, I think it helped me reach in a lot of ways probably later in my childhood, early adulthood, we'll call it. Um, I decided to go away to school somewhere I thought that I never would have gone. I um, Originally, when I started the college process, I said I had very few requirements, but they were very strong that I wanted. I didn't want to be in the middle of nowhere, 
I didn't want to be in near cows. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up going to upstate New York in Ithaca at, at Cornell, um, which was in the middle of nowhere and there were cows everywhere. <laughs> um, and after college, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was nervous um, about where to go and I chose to go all the way across the country where I knew nobody by myself. And I think everybody was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. I showed up off a plane with three suitcases and knew literally nobody had nowhere to go. I mean, knew, knew nowhere to go uh, or what to do. And I learned to fend for myself. Um, I think it is a huge reason why I ended up coming back here um, to Boston eventually to my hometown because I, I went out, you know, I reached for, for a number of years after college. Um, I have, during college, I started running longer distances. I became a marathon runner, which was a big reach for me. I remember, you know, back in the day when a mile felt really long and suddenly I was, not suddenly, but a few years later I was running 26, 26 of them. And um, those were all reaches for me, things that I would have never thought that I, I would have done and have led me back here to be very happy in, in my hometown kind of full circle. And when you first moved back, you and I started talking about possibly putting together some, some sort of community meal, mm -hmm. something that I still dream about. Um, but I ask you about why you got into the restaurant business, because that's what you ended up doing in San Francisco, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what that was about for you. Yeah, so um, I actually went to school to be, I, I kind of knew I wanted to be in the restaurant industry from a very young age. It is why I ended up at a school in the middle of nowhere with cows, because they had this very special program that I knew I wanted to be a part of at Cornell. But I have always had this longing, love, and um, passion for the hospitality industry and for hospitality in general, I guess, not just the industry. This idea of giving back and creating an experience for people um, in many different facets. Uh, I, I am attracted to the restaurant industry because I, I love food and the atmosphere of going out to eat, but I think overarching it is giving people people are trusting you with X amount of time for you to make and give them an experience and to be able to follow through with that is, is something really special and something that is valuable to me to be able to see, you know, when you, when you see someone leave a restaurant after a really delicious meal and, and a great time, it, it feels good. And is there, I would say, I, I've, I've had meals with your family, and I know that there's an ethic of hospitality in your family. Um, I also, you know, one of the things we've been proudest of at United Parish is our Thanksgiving meal that we've been doing for 35 years where everyone is welcome. And when I read about Jesus' ministry, he's always having meals with people, particularly people who are insiders, but also people who are not a part of his circle. And then we get this amazing story that we get several times. It's the only story of the miracles told in all four Gospels about feeding the thousands. So I am convinced that food is a central part of Jesus' ministry. I actually know of one pastor who calls himself a gastroevangelist, that, you know, it's sharing about this faith and ministry through food. And so then you, when I first started interacting with you, you were actually working at a restaurant, and mm -hmm. I was ordering food from this restaurant. I knew the chef there, and, and Ariel would very kindly put extra things in, uh, in my packages, especially if I had a wait or anything. 
Um, and then the next thing I know, you're working here as general operations manager of the Brookline Food Pantry. How did that happen, and what have you learned here? Yeah, you know, I honestly am am not really sure how it happened. <laughs> um, I, well, I can tell you that that the pandemic happened, and um, the restaurant industry was very unknown at the time. Um, it's kind of probably the easiest answer. I think a little bit broader is that I. Um, have been in the restaurant industry for a really long time. I've seen lots of different facets of it, and I have. Uh, it's a hard. It's a hard place to be in um, as an employee. You know, as a manager, as someone in the upper levels of of working nights and weekends, and and being in charge. And um, this kind of this opportunity came up as uh, I started volunteering. Um, when COVID started and I was just a volunteer just looking for a way to give back to do something else a little bit more. Um, I was feeling a little burnt out from the restaurant industry as it happens to the best of us in the industry. When you were also starting a pop-up. Yes, I, I was I was a little bit all over the place and um, and it was it just felt that this felt right. I honestly didn't know well to volunteer here first did. I started to volunteer. A full-time position came up. They actually approached me about being interested in the position that came up, and it felt it felt very right. I have been have spent my entire adult career in the restaurant industry, in the for-profit hospitality industry, and I like to say I've spent years feeding very wealthy people. Um, very extravagant food and meanwhile there are hundreds of thousands of people who are not offered that luxury and still need to eat and still deserve the hospitality experience that other people have and this felt like a very uh, reasonable and rewarding opportunity for me to see the other side to bring my hospitality skills and knowledge to people who have never may have never seen it before, or organizations that have never seen it before. Yeah, yeah. And I know we had a walk earlier in May, and you talked about this has really been eye-opening to you about your hometown. It has been more than eye-opening. I grew up here, born and raised here in Brookline, and I had no idea that, well, that a food pantry existed, A, but B, that there was a need for one. Uh, that there were hundreds of people in Brookline alone living here that can't afford to feed their family. And it was scary. It still is, but it was especially scary and eye-opening for me in the beginning when I started this job that I had, how could I possibly have been so naive or unaware um, that that these problems existed in what is many people consider a very wealthy town. Yeah. And some of you may have seen it in the blog this week or other places, but the, during the pandemic, the food pantry's gone from serving 175 families to 450 families. And the Thrives program, which provides backpacks full of meals for kids who need them in schools, has about 550 or so kids enrolled in that program. Also, the food pantry has three locations. This is the main location, which is about to move to our space. And there are two others at uh, state-funded housing on Egmont and High Streets. Um, and I will say, I've been volunteering this past year with the food pantry and delivering food. And it's been eye-opening to me about 
neighbors I pass all the time on the streets in Brookline, um, and to just who who I would you know aren't they don't present in the way I might think of you know like some of the unhoused people I meet downtown, but they're people who need food and don't have enough to get by week to week. They're folks who come to our Thanksgiving meal. And I think being aware of that and how we can be better neighbors, how we can be more hospitable. Should also just mention, I did say, it, say this in the front, but um, the past two years, Ariel has managed our Thanksgiving meal and managed it this past year when we had to do it all by takeout. Um, and we served more like, we doubled the number of people we served, which was quite amazing. We also got on TV both times with it. Uh, I also happened to miss both of them, so maybe that had something to do with it. But she's going to have a two to three month old when we're planning it this year. So if anyone out there wants to sign up, you need to let us know so we can get some extra help in doing this wonderful meal. I do want to reflect a bit on the passage we just heard, and you and I just read it again. Um, this passage, I think we often interpret as, you know, when you think there's not enough, it turns out there's more than enough. And it's really about how you change your focal point. I think of this as a uh, story about spiritual and material uh, synergy, about people coming together. And we call it a miracle. Actually, John calls it a sign. It's a sign, I think, of God's abundance and God's grace. And that this little boy who had five barley loaves and a couple fish is the one who Jesus said, I see possibility here of what we could do. And I wonder how you see the feeding of the thousands happening here in the food pantry. Yeah, I think it is, there are a lot of parallels and I, I enjoy this passage a lot. It, it makes me think very uh, carefully, closely to, to how we operate here at the pantry where you know, people who are very food secure might look at some of the offerings that we have and and think that they're not you know, fully, that they're too ripe or that they're not um, of good enough quality. And, and really, this is very, very um, fresh produce that we're giving, very new, new products. And, and other people in line who need this food see it as, as really special. And right. some, it's kind of somebody else's trash is, is another person's treasure. And it has been eye-opening for me to see how grateful these people are for the food that we can provide them. Yeah. And, you know, where someone might look at, we give, we give this pretty much the same food every week. So if someone's coming every week, they're getting the same things. Uh, somebody who's food insecure sees that as a down, as downside because they get to go to the grocery store and buy different things every week, depending on what they want. And the people in line here are, are grateful to have tuna fish and fresh bananas every single week. Yeah. And I think it's it's very telling that the difference of, of what's ne what's needed out there. And many people are, are so grateful for, for what we're able to give them, small or big. Yeah. It's also where in this passage the disciples are having this like, oh my God, what are we going to do moment? And... Do you ever have any, oh my God, what are we going to do moments here? Every day. <laughs> Every day. Um, whether it's we ran out of apples or there's somebody screaming out there because their bananas are less ripe, are more ripe than somebody else's, or we don't have enough volunteers. Um, I, I do, I have many of those moments, and I think I've learned this job. Well, actually, all of my jobs have taught me to in the restaurant industry that there's, there's always chaos and, and, 
um, to take a step back, really think about bigger picture. What what are what are the goals? Um, I think it's you know very easy to it's easier to do this here because the goal is to to feed people and give give people food and and that's what we're here to do and almost every single person whether their bananas are ripe or not it's grateful for the bananas that they're getting and it's really special it's a different it's a different type of hospitality than I've ever been able to give and to be able to give that to over 500 people every single week is more special than I could ever do at the fanciest of fancy restaurants feeding celebrities famous people in Los Angeles I think I've gotten to see you practicing your Chinese out here with some of the people who come in. Yeah, that's been that's been really fun too. I I am pulling Chinese out of <laughs> places I, I didn't know I've kept it for years. So um, it has it has been really rewarding for me personally, um, for personal growth as well, just to be able to you know use my educational and technical management skills that I've learned you know at school and in the in the workforce since then, but then also just to be able to grow as a person, as a native of Brookline, as part of this community, um, has been very, very special to me. One of the things I love about this passage too is Philip is coming to Jesus with this, oh my God, what are we going to do moment? And Jesus says, well, what are we going to do? And he does it as a way to test Philip's faith. And I hear some of what you're saying is, you know, even you, you have to accept chaos is going to be a part of the picture. And what's that kind of calm faith in mm -hmm. the center of that? And how do we tap into it? Which makes me realize that we are about to welcome the food pantry. And uh, Ariel has been central to these conversations, as I mentioned earlier, along with our facilities manager, David, our parish administrator, Sarah, as well as the executive director, Elizabeth Bowen, and their uh, board. We're very excited about it. We also know it's going to provide some new challenges, some new growing edges. And we may, our programming and some of our other building users, we may bump into each other a little bit, as has happened before. Um, and I'm, I'm eager to see how God is working out in this and how we get in deeper touch with our faith and our relationship with our neighbors about all this. I'm curious what your hopes and prayers and maybe what you want us to be thinking about and praying about as we welcome the food pantry into the United Parish space, what you say. Yeah. Um, well, we are very excited. It is um, a big undertaking. We are grateful that you are welcoming us so warmly. But I do have to, the other day my mom called me, sorry mom, I'm going to call you out. She called me and said, how is this going to work? I, I don't think this is going to work. Where are you going to put all the stuff? Where, how are, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I just said, mom, it, it's going to work. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to make it work. And I think that that is, is telling of the community that, that I know United Parish to be, that, yeah, there are going to be challenges. I mean, we have, you guys can't see on camera, but this entire room is filled with things that we are going to have to move uh, down into Willett Hall, out of here. We have eight fridges and freezers and cabinets attached to the walls and, and to reset up over at United Parish and, and find a new system. That's things that, that you know, can, can take weeks and we're going to do it in, in a couple days and we are going to cross our fingers and, and be thankful with, for the opportunity and the community that we're being welcomed into and, and I know it's going to work. And I think that one of the things I'm very excited about as a member of United Parish is to have the UP community support from the pantry. So um, I know that you, you, you got, 
you as a community already donate to us or collect to us and bring it over, you know, a couple a couple times a month, and you we have this community of support already for the pantry, and so to just have it in the same location, I think will will be leaps and bounds more than than we have already. The other thing, as I would say, is just for clarity, we're uh, the food pantry is not going to take up Willett Hall. It's going to take up the 600 square foot storage space we have next to Willett Hall, but we'll be using Willett Hall and also possibly our chapel for distribution on their distribution days. And the priest here, Jeff, will tell tell you that we've got a lot more space at United Parish than they have had for the 37 years they've been here at St. Paul's. So it's exciting, I know, from that standpoint as well. Um, I want to just thank you for sharing part of your story with us today. Uh, I feel like you know, I didn't watch you grow up at United Parish, but I feel so proud that you're a part of our community and proud to know you. And um, totally inspired by this work you do here. And I'm excited to see where it takes us. And we're looking forward to welcoming your baby uh, for you. you and Kyle and welcoming this child into our community as well. Thank you. Yeah, we are we are honored and, and grateful to be welcomed in both as a pantry and, and myself and this little one. And, Kyle, so and if you're you. interested in getting involved with the pantry, um, feel free to let us know because we're going to have opportunities to be welcomers to the pantry and also to volunteer, I know, in many of the programs. So we'll be looking forward to those opportunities as we go into the fall. Thank you. Thank you. And amen. <laughs>